It's a fascinating subject, uh, but most people learn it by the seat of the pants or they think they are getting the best deal and don't really understand that there are some techniques, there's tactics, there's strategies to it, but the really good negotiators do. That was Charlotte Westerhouse Renfro, an assistant professor of law and management at the IU Kelly School of Business, who specializes in negotiating. And that's our topic today on Beyond COVID, an IBJ podcast that's about getting to the other side of the coronavirus crisis. The podcast is brought to you by James Allen Insurance. I'm Leslie Weidenbetter. As Indiana begins the process of reopening its economy, there are no doubt plenty of contracts you may need to renegotiate. Maybe it's a lease or a vendor in your supply chain. Maybe it's a contract with a customer. These negotiations aren't easy. That's why we asked Charlotte Westerhouse Renfro, who you may know as one of IBJ's workplace columnists, to help us figure out the best way to navigate them. Here's our conversation. Charlotte, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so very much. Glad to be here. How did you get interested in negotiating as a subject? Actually, before I went to law school, I worked for some universities on the West Coast in California, and I worked in student affairs. And I was involved in judicial affairs and doing investigation on student misconduct. And I realized after I did all the investigation and sometimes helped with the findings, if there was an appeal, it went to the attorneys. And then the attorneys would negotiate and come out with an outcome that was either similar or dissimilar to our recommendation. And that just intrigued me. That really encouraged me to go to law school. So when I went to law school and came out of law school, uh, I had the opportunity of working in law firms and realized that the vast majority of litigation is never really litigated. There's either mediation, arbitration, negotiations, and there's negotiations not only between uh, the two parties involved in the conflict, but the negotiations with the attorney and the client, <laughs> and then the client and employees. So I was intrigued with that, and I realized there was a lot of power that most people don't understand you have within, outside of the contract, outside of the four, the four corners of an agreement. It's a fascinating subject, uh, but most people learn it by the seat of the pants, or they think they are getting the best deal and don't really understand that there are some techniques, there's tactics, there's strategies to it, but the really good negotiators do. It seems like it's useful for so many things. Personal and professional. So, so some lessons. Very step one, especially in COVID-19. It is a wonderful time to negotiate with someone if you have a good relationship or a previous relationship. It's stressful right now. So if you haven't had the best relationship perhaps with your landlord or with a supplier, this, this is going to be difficult. So this is where it pays to have a great relationship. You, you still may be able to do a good job. But number one, always try to open up the dialogue at step one. Now, I'm not going to give you any legal advice. If a person has an attorney and negotiation, I, I, will, I advise you to get an attorney. But if this is you negotiating with someone else, you should open up with uh, dialogue. And first, before you even do that, plan on what is it that you really want? You think most people would know that? They say, well, I want my rent to be lowered. I want, I want uh, an adjustment on my lease. You have to know specifically what you want. That's the easy part. And now you have to articulate why. 
So if you can outline, I want a change in something contractual and be able to tell the reasons why, which pretty evident, but really apply it to your situation. The effect on the COVID-19 is impacting your ability to operate. This is something that's never happened before. A situation is unprecedented. You were you know, paying rent on time. You were, you were paying your suppliers on time. The contract was solid. And now this has happened. And that your, your interest, your why, is not just to get a change contractually. Your why is to get you back to the place you were before this happened. Back to where you and the other party were before that happened. That's the goal, eventually. Because that's right. good and, for both sides. Yes. And that's a win-win situation. So always understand that's your interest and then understand the other parties, what they're going to want and why. So if you were sitting in their shoes, what would they want? And if you know that ahead of time, you're in a position to perhaps be ready to offer this as an alternative, to be proactive. So always get a sense of what they may want in this particular situation. And are you going to be able to do that? Are you going to be able to collaborate and compromise? It really will help you understand the value of what you're asking for and why, if you understand where they're coming from or will they probably be coming from and what are their wants and the why they want it. And then next, it's always good to start these negotiations, especially now in the spirit of collaboration, because we're all in this together. And if you lose me as a supplier or as a tenant, or whatever the lease calls from, where will you be? Is someone going to walk into my shoes? Um, how can we work together to find a solution? It's a short-term cash flow issue. It's a season. It's a bad season. But you should start with that. Not thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to say no. They're, they're greedy. They're unreasonable. They're just as stressed as you are. What if you're not starting from a place of a good relationship? then you really have to understand the why on the other side. Why should they? If you were in their shoes, what would you say? What would you do? You're going to have to do a little bit more than probably just compromise. Compromising is splitting the difference. You may have to give a little bit more, and you could have to be honest with that. You know, if we had a great relationship and you trusted me, I bet you'd be the type of person that would give me a fair shake. But things haven't been going well prior to this, but we still have a reason to be at the table. We still have a reason in our best interest to negotiate. Matter of fact, this might be the best time for us to start having a good relationship. Can we start there? Next, I, you know, your approach to the negotiation, whether it's a win-win approach, most of the time the other side, or maybe you may have more rights in the contract than the other side. But even if you assert your rights, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you uncertainty. So yes, you may be on the other side with the contract and say, you know, I could give you the boot based on this contract. I could go find another supplier. I could find another vendor. Yeah, but in these times, who can you find that you can trust when everybody's stressed? So you could say, you know, I got better rights than you, but it's going to be expensive. It's going to be stressful. And it's going to be long-term to resolve that versus short-term. Do you think if you're in that situation where you have the upper hand because of a contract, it, is it important to, should you acknowledge that as you begin the negotiation and say, I know I'm in this situation, but I'd like for us to come up with a way around this that doesn't involve me asserting those rights? I would listen first to the other party to see whether they know that or not. Okay. <laughs> Don't play your hand right off the bat. You can come down strong and say, you know, I got all of this. 
But why don't you just listen to see what they know? If they know what you know, now you don't have to go there. Now you can get into the negotiations. If you do have the power, when are you going to use it? In the very beginning, you might not have anything left. I mean, you might say, you know, I have the power to give you the boot. The other party might say, okay, we're moving out. Now what are you going to do? Unless you had a plan to bring in another vendor, another restaurant, someone else to rent, they may call your bluff and say, okay, yeah, you, you, all right, if we're going to start like that, I guess I'm going to have to leave. What do you have then? Especially if they've been a great fire operator, tenant, employee, all of that. So when do you use it when you have the power? And when do you leverage it? A good negotiator knows when to do that. If you come out strong, they may come out strong on the opposite end. And there's a tug of war, it escalates, and now you're going to be probably in an arbitration hearing or hiring a mediator. So yeah, you might have the power, but is it to your advantage to come out that strong? Now, if it is, use it. But I think in the COVID-19 situations, this might not be the time for that. Because what was power 45 days ago is not very powerful now. Now, after you come in and thinking that I'm going to actually be in a spirit of, you know, listening to the other side, their, their wants and why they want it, uh, I think one of the, the best strategies right now in these stressful times, not only is it collaboration, but it's compromise. Both sides, before they come into negotiations, should they be thinking, what can I compromise on? Finding a middle ground that will satisfy my needs and the other person's needs. You should think about that ahead of time in your planning. This is a great strategy for a temporary solution, for a temporary solution. And that's what you might want to actually describe it as. You're talking about something that will help you get through this particular situation, not something that changes a contract or a lease law for the entirety of it. It's much more optimistic. It's much more than what the reality is right now. No one knows what the future is going to hold. So I think compromise now to get out of this ahead in the negotiation, that will free you up to create what I call, what well, most negotiators call more alternatives. So I came up with some alternatives, in, for instance, in a, in a lease situation or a rent situation, which are compromises, but they are great for the short term. So let's say you're in a lease situation, maybe if you're the person that is actually renting or leasing the space, uh, you can pay a portion of your rent, and they call it TMI your taxes, maintenance, insurance to the landlord. Just a portion, okay? Do it just a portion. And how you can do that, uh, maybe you can defer it or pay it a little now. And maybe in two months from now, you'll add a little bit more on to those, those payments. So maybe you'll pay half in May, half in June. And then July and August, you'll pay the full. Or maybe you can extend that out through the whole year. You could defer your rent for a predetermined period and then pay back a percentage of it over a defined period, you can agree to a, a longer term lease at a lower rate. That's a win-win for both, for everybody, really. Uh, there are some shorter term lease agreements you can come up that can expire. So we have a short term lease agreement. Maybe we'll defer, pay half, and then when normal business operations come back, we'll start adding on what we actually kind of borrow from you. But most importantly, what I am trying to encourage folks to do is not to breach the lease. And what, and how do you mean that? And you mean, no, just, just, don't say I'm not paying rent. Just don't just stop paying or don't. Yeah. Don't breach. Don't, don't threaten to stop paying rent without going into a negotiation. Don't just disappear on folks because then you're going to have to go to court and courts are usually not as happy if they haven't seen a record of attempts to negotiate. So you're going to have to go to court, pay the overpayment that you owe on the rent. 
pay any kind of, I guess, fines, whatever the case may be. And then you're going to have to pay for someone to negotiate what you could have negotiated in the very beginning. I mean, you have to mediate an outcome. So like communication I, here is really is the, one of the most important things. You got to let that landlord or let that vendor or contractor know early on that there might be a problem and that you want to talk about it. And they won't be surprised. They want to hear early on. They're probably going to be more open to negotiate with you early on or at least consider it versus in that hearing from you in any capacity for the last month or so. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. This is IBJ's Beyond COVID podcast. As you work your way through the pandemic crisis, would your business be ready if this happened again? James Allen Insurance offers comprehensive and customized pandemic coverage for business, including recovery of lost revenue. Learn more at jamesalleninsurance.com. Now, back to our conversation with Charlotte Westerhouse Renfro, an assistant professor of law and management at the IU Kelly School of Business and an IBJ workforce columnist. Do you think you need to be prepared to maybe open up your books a little bit or to share more information than you might normally share about your sales or about your customer base or? I would, I would focus on more what everybody knows. I've been paying my rent. My sales are flat. I know so many companies right now suffering um, for a variety of reasons. Some of them have been suffering over the last two years because of the tariffs. Mm-hmm. And they've been just holding their nose above water. They've been having conversations with their bankers. They've been having conversations with folks about their lease. This is not something that should be totally out of the blue. I mean, we've had a boom economy, but there have been sectors of our economy that have been just holding their nose above water. But this is a, this is a time for, I really think, short-term solutions, creating, creating alternatives and options. And then the last thing I was going to talk to you about, too, is People are going to say, okay, this is the favorite part of anything I teach. They're going to like, well, what, what are some of the tactics or techniques I should use? Some of them work better when the economy is great, where you might have the ability to just kind of walk out the door because you had all these alternatives. We call it the best alternative to a negotiated agreement. You had an alternative outside of this agreement that you could go to that was better than what you're trying to negotiate. And what you do, instead of going to the outside, the, the best alternative negotiated agreement, right before you walk away, you bring it into the negotiation. It goes something like this. You know, I really, wanna, I really want to purchase or do this deal with you. And you keep asking for this. You're not giving. You're not giving. You're not lowering the price. I don't think that I'm going to be able to work with you. And by the way, someone else down the road has the same space, a whole lot less per square foot. That's where you use it at the very end. Well, that's great in a good time. The best alternative to negotiation, if you can have one, if you have an alternative and it's very, very good, and it's better than what you could do in the negotiation, you might be able to bring it into the, the negotiation to help you get what you want. Another one is called slice of salami. And there may be a whole lot of issues in this particular contract a whole lot of issues or more than one issues or three or four major issues that you need to be renegotiated. Take them one at a time. Get, get the small victories where you'll know, get those first, where you can say, win number one, win number two. 
All right. And then when you, I will leave the biggest one towards the end. You might build some goodwill, more creativity, but slice the salami up into issues. Most contracts that have to be renegotiated, it's not a singular issue in the contract. So when you're looking at what's where to start, it's the issue where you can get the biggest win-win and build that collaboration and also communication and come up with a compromise that actually puts the wind beneath your wings to move on to the next issue. There's something else called peppermint. And a peppermint is when you compromise and it's something you know the other side really thinks is sweet, but it won't cost you that much. You want to offer that. Now, be careful with this. I always tell folks this, because just like giving peppermint to a baby, <laughs> if they get that baby quiet, after a while, the baby will start crying for more and more peppermint. So it's also a timing thing. And then they're going to want peppermint. I say they want Snickers bars. Next thing, these little kids want the keys to your car, you know, the whole nine yards. It just kind of escalates, right? So you may just think to yourself, is there anything on either side, on any of these parties, that it wouldn't cost me that much to give but make a big deal to them? To get them moving forward to an agreement or compromise, that is also a tactic. And you really need to know the other side to know what, what is peppermint to them may not be peppermint to another party. And then finally, in all negotiations, the most powerful tool is a combination of silence and forbearance. Explain. So silence means that when someone makes an offer, be quiet. Research shows 68 to 70% of the time, if you're, if you're just quiet, maybe not responding on your email. I'm not saying this is a time where, you know, it's right before you get kicked out of, you know, your establishment or, or, or where you're renting or leasing. But if someone makes an offer, offer to you, if you just wait and are quiet and don't respond immediately, 68 to 72% the other side will counter their own offer. So give people some time, all right? to whatever the offer is to respond. Don't get nervous and say, oh my gosh, I didn't hear back from them. Now I'm gonna, it must've been unreasonable and now I'm gonna lower or change my offer. That silence is so, so powerful. Once you make an offer, be quiet and, let, and, and, and see what happens. A reasonable amount of time. This is via email, Zoom, in person, whatever. Now on the other side, forbearance is also silence. Now you're trying to make a decision. Be patient, just a little bit, just wait. If the offer is too good to be true, it's too good to be true. If it's making you angry, forbearance will make you think it through. Maybe, maybe it's not such a bad offer, you should be doing more research. So as much as you possibly can, and I know things are stressed right now and people wanna make a quick decision to make the stress go away. But a very powerful technique is if you have to make an offer, wait for the, wait for the, the counter offer from the other person. And if you have to make a decision about any offer or counter, take a little time to carefully consider it. And my last one with the technique, Richard Urry um, from Harvard came up with this. It's called go to the balcony. So sometimes these negotiations can get kind of emotional, whatever the emotion is, but especially if it's heated emotion, negative emotion. And you and the other party are having what I call a conflict. Going to the balcony is an out-of-body experience. You want to imagine you and the other party or parties are on a stage. And you're sitting in the balcony watching the actors, and you're one of them. And it's starting to get a little heated. There's a lot of conflict going on here. Go to the balcony, look down on this particular conflict, this situation, and what do you look like? 
Uh, what do you sound like? Are your eyebrows knitted up? Uh, are you pointing fingers? Are you, is your voice raised? If this was being taped and played on WTHR tomorrow, what would you look like? That will tell you that you are negotiating with your emotions and not from the uh, part of your brain that actually makes logical decision. And you have probably lost sight of every, <laughs> every uh, plan you had, your peppermint is shattered, right? Your salami's out the window. Nothing's gonna work when you're angry or overly happy, but especially when you're angry. So go to the balcony, take a moment and say, what if I saw this on TV? What would this look like? What do I look like on Zoom? Zoom is great. Now we know what we look like. You can tell a lot from people, from their body language. Pay attention to what you look like. Let me go back and ask. So if you realize you're on your balcony, you're looking down at the play and you think, oh, I do not like what I look like. This is not where I'm meant to be. How do you fix that situation? Take a break. You, and you don't have to be so obvious about it. Uh, sometimes that somebody taking a break may be a sign of weakness. But I would say inhale, exhale, and say, you know, I think we're all making some valid points. So be positive. I think we need to take a break just to recalibrate. Take a break. Pull back from the table, the monitor, the email. Collect yourself. Go back to what's the other side want and why. Go back to maybe I need to create more alternatives so that we can have a situation where we can compromise. Maybe I may need to apologize. Maybe I may need to change the way I'm speaking or my emails. Maybe we all just need to have a break and then realize why are we at the table? Remember, the reason why people negotiate is because they get a better deal negotiating than what they would do unilaterally which means they get a better deal negotiating than what they could do if they could use the power to get it themselves. People negotiate to be persuasive. So you already know if the other side wants to negotiate, you're already on the right path. People negotiate because they think and believe they'll get a better deal negotiating than they would use if they just use the power of the contract. Now your role is to find out how much will they give and how much can you take, and vice versa. And you have to be able to be cool, calm, and collective to use your best persuasive abilities and powers. You mentioned that you like Zoom. You like to use Zoom for this. So right now, is that, do you think, the best way to get into a conversation with someone you need to negotiate with? Yes, because I think you, if you can read nonverbal cues, you're in a better situation to be able to ascertain how sincere and perhaps how honest the person is. There are a variety of resources out there that can teach you on how to read people so you'll be able to understand if they're being uh, honest or not. I think the nonverbal cues also will give you a sense, more of a sense of just the veracity of people when you're negotiating with them. So if they are concerned, you can see it. You really can't see it. You can read it. You can feel it. If you are trying to make a good faith effort and you're trying to compromise, they hopefully will be able to see your nonverbal cues uh, to be able to see that. So. I, I think face-to-face -face is the best way to negotiate, but I think those days are not going to be with us for quite a while. So I would recommend Zoom versus email and text, especially for negotiations or the livelihood of your, your organization. This is a must-have win-win 
these compromises have to be made, I would recommend Zoom. Or I would say virtual negotiations is going to be, I think, one of the most effective ways, especially in the midst of what we're going through with this global COVID-19 pandemic, to be able to effectuate and be the most persuasive when you are trying to make your case on your position, why it's a good position, and why. Charlotte, this has been so helpful. I'm just thrilled to get to talk to you. Stay safe. Thanks to Charlotte for all these great tips. And you can check out the latest issue of IBJ, which has a story in the focus section all about negotiating. And thanks for tuning in this week to IBJ's Beyond COVID podcast. You can find it at ibj.com every Tuesday or subscribe at Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or Podbean. You can also check out the latest episode of the IBJ podcast hosted by Mason King. This week, Mason explores what will happen when the bans on residential evictions expire in the coming weeks and months. Tune in at ibj.com or anywhere you download podcasts. See you next week.